Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You may not always like his opinion, but you can bet he'll have one. Welcome to The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Sunday edition of the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Opioids in the next hour. We'll have two of the leading uh, physicians on the issue. Professor David Yerling, the head of the Division of Clinical Pharmacology and Toxicology at the University of Toronto. And uh, he's spoken and uh, written extensively on uh, opioids and has great concerns. Also consults with the government's great concerns about the current reality. And we'll be speaking as well... Well, Dr. Fiona Campbell, she's the president-elect of the Canadian Pain Society. She's an anesthesiologist in the Department of Anesthesia and Pain Medicine at Sick Kids, and uh, an associate professor at the University of Toronto. Many patients, many opioid patients, are very concerned. Patients who have exhibited no problems, who take their meds as they're prescribed, and feel that the chronic pain, the torturous pain they live with, is controlled by the opioids. They have exhibited no problems. They go about their lives very comfortably and uh, and and uh, with the pain under control, or at least mostly under control. And uh, read some articles the other day. Folks just terrified of what may be coming their way. So we'll we'll get at that. But I want to start the show. I had something else planned, but there's been such tremendous response, such tremendous reaction to our interview yesterday with Carol Dedelli, Tim McLean's mother, on the unconditional release of Vincent Lee, who killed her son, and you know, under the circumstances, the uh, decapitation, the cannibalism in the uh, in the Greyhound bus. Now, Vincent Lee is walking freely in Canada with no restrictions whatsoever. So there's been a tremendous amount of response on Twitter. I had a just an overnight, just a, uh, just a row and row and row of emails from uh, absolutely uh, upset, angry, furious people. And I believe Carol gave us the only interview, the only media interview in Canada yesterday. I believe that to be the case. I've been contacted by other media asking about it. So we're going to replay most of the interview with Carol Dedelli from yesterday. And I began by asking Carol about the impact on her and her family of the news that Vincent Lee was granted his unconditional release. Have a listen. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty hard blow to take. Um that he has that opportunity is disturbing to me, that he is has the right to be unmedicated. Um, the treatment team and psychiatrist all say that he he understands and he promises to take his medication and, and that's good enough for them. It's not good enough for me, not, not in the little tiniest bit. Uh, he's proven himself to be non-compliant with medication before. It's indicative of the illness. It's a lifelong illness that's incurable. Um, I don't think the decision to medicate or not medicate his illness is a decision that should be his to make anymore. So no question in your mind that he remains a dangerous human being. I think he has the potentially I think he has the potential to be the most dangerous person. He's proven that already. Yes, he has. 
And so why would I believe differently, especially when past predictor is the best, past behavior is the best predictor of future behavior? But in the end, if he does reoffend, um, nobody will be held accountable yet again. It'll be NCR again. It will, and it'll be a case of, well, we uh, we thought he was a manageable risk. Those are the two words they like to use, the system likes to use, manageable risk. And they'll that, trot out... That, yes, that and the fact that they cannot predict the future behavior of any individual. No, they can't. No. And if he goes off his meds... We know what he can do. We know what he can do, because he's already and, done it. And it has been stated, too, that... He could suffer a relapse even while medicated, and oftentimes the medications need to be changed, and, and you know, different concoctions or different levels of it need to be. The illness doesn't stay the same, I guess, over over time. Um, how's that going to happen if he's not being monitored and he doesn't have to check in anywhere? And you know, they're they're putting an awful lot of faith in, and he just he agrees to do it. What do you say to people who argue? I've heard this, and you've heard it many times. What do you say to people who will argue, well, it's, it's not Vincent Lee, it's the schizophrenia. You can't blame him. It was his mental health that created... We're not blaming him by making him medicate his illness when it affects other people. It changes who he is. He's not a meek, mild, well-mannered, very polite, um, small individual when he's not medicated. Then he's a very different person. What do people expect of you? I'm not sure. Um, I get a lot of messages. Everybody wants to be my friend, and I get a lot of messages. I think people expect to be able to inform me of their situation and their opinions and that I can then take it the step forward and, and do something with that. And I, I think I've done everything that I could do to the best of my ability with some research and some uh, support. But I think it's, in, it's incumbent on every individual to address this with their local elected official. I'm just one voice. I'm just one voice uh, reflecting my displeasure. I, I speak, or I believe I speak, for a lot of not criminally responsible victims' families, but as an everyday Canadian, you don't have to have been through the NCR system to learn about it, understand it, and make a, an educated decision on whether you agree with this or you don't. I'm simply saying if this individual, and they, they've already got him living amongst us, if he's to be living amongst us, it's in our safety's best in, interest. In pub, if public safety is paramount like they want us to believe it is, then why should he ever be free without mandatory medication? We need that legal mechanism requiring him to treat his illness. It's all, to me, it's all very simple. If I had my way, he'd be staying in an institution that could ensure that he's taking that medicine and getting the treatment. He, he's been living in a controlled environment. He's, only, he's been out in the public for the last couple of years, halfway house, that kind of thing, and only uh, in November... He moved to his own apartment. And my understanding is that on a daily basis, somebody from mental health would go to his home and observe him take his medication. If he's going to live amongst us, that's the very least that should be happening. But he's released. No conditions. No conditions. 
He's free as a bird. No record, can cross borders. I, he, they state that he wants to travel to China with his ex-wife, um, that he wants to take some upgrading uh, for his education. I predict that he'll stay in the province for two or three years, like they've stated, to get that education, and then he'll move to another province. And that when he crosses those lines, this diagnosis, the whole, none of the situation follows him anyway. And by then he may have changed his name yet again. Could be, yep. Now, what about the code itself, the uh, the NCR code? Uh, the, the review board's responsibilities, the code says something about they have to find the least onerous part of the, uh, the, the accused, who, of course, just like Correctional Service Canada, is not an accused, not an offender, is designated as a client. Yeah, not even a patient now. He's, he's under the uh, health care system, not, not the legal system. He's under the health care system. And he's not even referred to as a patient anymore. Now he's a client. From, from what, what were the original first headliners, headlines in the papers, you know, crazed killer, cannibalistic murder, whatever. Now he's a client. Are they funding him? Does he get, uh, do you know if he gets money? Is he getting... Uh... Well, he must. He's, how else could he be in his own apartment and getting his medications? And how much of those medications? How much is this apartment? Uh, I, I'm, I'm sickened at the fact that we're paying for all of that. Because times have not been easy for you. No, uh, not at all. And there is a GoFundMe page that was started by a reporter who did a story for you, or on you. Yes. And it's uh, go to GoFundMe.com, and it's uh, Tim McLean family. And uh, just this is, this is for Carol, supporting Carol and, and her family. There are some notifications there that uh, I, I don't know why people find it necessary to write negative things on a GoFundMe page. That's not what it's about. But if you feel like you would like to provide some support to Carol, uh, to Deli and her family, it's GoFundMe.com, Tim McLean family. That's M-C-L-E-A-N. Carol, please hold on. I, I have to take a quick break. We'll come back and talk some more. Okay. Yeah. Carol Dedelli, Tim McLean's mother, with me on The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I've spoken with Carol so many times over the years, probably more off the air than on the air, and she's a remarkable person. She really is. She really is a remarkable person who is going through hell. And the focus of the system and the interest of the system is on the individual who created the hell. Carol Dedelli is a nuisance to the system. We're going to talk about how the system deals or dealt with her victim's impact statement. You know, we've talked in the past about how victim's impact statements have been shown to the, in other cases, the convicted killer who then has to agree, has to agree to the content of the victim's impact statement. And if the killer doesn't agree then the parole board will tell the victim, rewrite your statement. And if they think it's too long, they'll tell you to shorten it. We'll come right back. Intelligent Talk Radio. Intelligent Talk Radio. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Just a huge amount of reaction on Twitter at The Roy Green Show yesterday and overnight. And again, more today on the release of Vincent Lee or his new name. We'll, 
also I don't even know what his, can't remember what his real name is, his new name, Will something. Anyway. Uh, and, and there are people who believe that if you challenge the release of Vincent Lee, then you're tackling and being unfair to mental health issues, and that's not the case at all. No one's suggesting that Vincent Lee be cruelly incarcerated for the rest of his natural life. The feeling and the senses and the response has been that he should just never have the opportunity to repeat what he did on that Greyhound bus to Tim McLean. And doctors say he's not likely to, not likely, not likely, or very unlikely to stop taking his meds. Well, he did it before, and if he does it again, can we afford to take that chance? The courts have decided yes. The system has decided yes. Carol Dedelli struggles and suffers. Playing back some of the interview with Carol from yesterday. And I asked her about Luca Magnata, who, of course, also was engaged in similar criminal activity, well, in similar activity to that of Vincent Lee. Have a listen. Well, they've, they've never been in the same institution. They haven't. Oh, I thought they had No, uh, no we're confusing the uh, two different ones. But Luca Magnata was found guilty of murder. And right. You're going to tell me that he didn't have mental health issues? Not, again, I, I think he's where he needs to be. I think that there needs to be a separate institution for killers like Luca Magnata and Vince Lee who have extremely severe mental illness and need treatment. But they shouldn't have to be getting that at an institution that is designed to help the everyday person who has never committed a crime to get help for their mental health issues. Yeah, well, Magnata's modus operandus was quite similar to Vincent Lee's but Magnata gets a, you know, a first-degree murder conviction, but Vincent Lee is NCR. It was the uh, Quebec cardiologist that was in the same uh, place as Luca Magnata. Okay. okay. And then they retried him, and he was found, the cardiologist was found guilty of secondary second murder on, two, on his two children, small right. children. Right. That's just a horrifying case as well. That's terrible. I mean, they knew. Yeah. And clearly the courts later on agreed this, this cardiologist should never, ever, ever have been designated NCR. And what that speaks to is that they make significant errors and they designate people NCR who the courts later say no. Mm-hmm. No. And then the courts later find guilty of murder. Well, uh, one, a piece of advice I would give anybody who's entering into this nightmare, as soon as you hear the words NCR or, or agreed statement of facts, Right then and there, say, uh-uh, no way. Make them prove he's crazy. Make them prove that he is so severely mentally ill. Because in an agreed statement of facts, there's a lot of issues, a lot of facts that are never discussed, never talked about. They don't come out before a trial. They don't come out before a jury. Is this what happened to you? Oh, for sure. Vince Lee was jumping on buses for two years uh, before he actually committed this murder. He bought and concealed his weapons. He bought his bus ticket under an assumed name. Yeah. Uh, these all pointed things that uh, this person knew he was going to do something. Well, it, there are stories that uh, Vincent Lee had been taking bus trips for a couple of years. Now, either he's a great aficionado of riding the bus or something else was going on. Exactly. And, and at the same time, he was displaying odd behavior. And um, from 2003, he, he was displaying erratic behavior and doing these bus runs and different other, you know, things. 
he he was a late starter in school didn't start school till he was eight or nine years old always a, a little bit off um, none of this comes out when there's an agreed statement of facts they just it's just a given so now we're going to deal with him as a not responsible person but he was responsible enough to get an education and live his first first 40 years of life without taking a life how was your victim's impact statement treated I didn't submit one this year. The ones that I have submitted have been so censored as to not really re- reflect what I wanted to say in the first place. Um, we can't say anything that will offend the offender. We can't say anything that will offend the system, the judges, the lawyers, the first responders, the police, or how the situation was handled. So, uh, and how do they define offending the offender? Is that a, or is that a moving target? Um, well, I don't know. Any, anything that I would say that that would be negative towards him would be, would be offensive towards him. So anything that would anything that could upset Vincent Lee that you would put in your victim's impact statement that it was traumatic to you, but and and he would deem to be offensive, you have to make the change, not him. That's right. That's right. So I stopped submitting impact statements once I saw what was actually able to be seen or read in court uh, or at the review board, because let's call it what it is. The review board, people tend to think that this crime is reviewed every year and that there's a possibility that they're going to do something different with Vince Lee. Well, no, it isn't a a legal review board. It uh, It doesn't review the case whatsoever. It simply reviews Vince Lee's mental status. And nobody is going to be around to check to see if Vincent Lee takes his medication. Nobody. No, he's not legally required to take it. The system and the individuals involved working with him, and and, and I'd like to mention here, too, he does not have a support system here other than his treatment team. He doesn't have family here. His his ex-wife doesn't even live here, although they've maintained a close relationship, however close that can be when you live in different provinces. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm afraid for having him walking around free in the public. I think that, that there was genuine concern and that I do believe he is, has the potential to be an extremely dangerous person. Why would I think differently? He, Why would he, you? Why would any of us? He, he, he brutally murdered my son in a confined space in a very public place right. and consumed parts of him. Of course I think he's dangerous. Of course I think he needs to be treated. But he's not required to treat himself. No, and you're the one who had to uh, adjust to their satisfaction. Your victim's impact statement, which they censored, the system censored, to satisfy Mr. Lee's um, feelings. Right. Part three of my interview with Carol Dedelli after this. If you're looking for real-life radio, you've come to the right place. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Thank you for making us part of your Sunday on uh, The Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Before the end of the hour, we'll talk to Daniel Payne. He writes for The Federalist, and uh, he also has a blog we'll tell you about. And he wrote an article in The Federalist about media and fake news stories about the Trump administration. Sixteen fake news stories reporters have run since Trump won and became president of the United States. We'll talk to Daniel Payne about that. Let me play now for you part three of my interview with Carol Dedelli yesterday. 
about the release, the unconditional release of Vincent Lee to live among us. No one will know specifically who he is unless you recognize him facially. There is no criminal record to follow him anywhere because he's not criminally responsible for what he did to Carol's son, Tim. And uh, we started the segment by my reminding everyone that you can go to YouTube and you can have a listen and watch Carol testifying on, uh, with, in Parliament and before the Senate on the issue of what to do with Vincent Lee. And uh, I also said to her that this had to be a, an awfully difficult time for her and her family. Absolutely. Um, that, I think those are the best places to get the information that I'm trying to relay and it would be easier on me if they did that instead of contacting me individually and asking me to relay it all um, to each person. Yeah. How were you? How were you treated by uh, by governments? By how were you treated by politicians? I think tolerated, but barely. I'm an irritant, like you said. Um, I think they all just wished I would just shut up and go away. Um, but I'm not about to do that. Uh, I, I feel so strongly about this, and it, it's not about it's not about Timothy. It's not about Vince Lee. It's about how we in this country deal with those that we deem not criminally responsible for murder, and I think it's wrong. I don't think that he should be released with no conditions, with no requirement to take his medication, um, and I think that needs to change. So. I tried. I tried to make people aware of this for nine years, and it's only now that people are shocked and horrified because it's on their threshold now. He's crossed that threshold. He's out. It's, he's free to be anywhere he wants to be at any time. So he could be in your neighborhood. He could be, he could be anywhere. And uh, accountability and transparency are not strong suits of the system. <laughs> no, not at all, and there needs to be. Um, people think that we're against helping the mentally ill. Absolutely not. But we do believe that a great deal more funding programs and professionals need to be available at the front end of mental health care. Um, people, friends, family, and associates of extremely ill individuals need to be heard, taken seriously, and helped when they're seeking help for the afflicted individual. Um, Margaret Trudeau in her book stated that what mentally ill people need above all is an advocate to act for them when they're incapable of acting and, and dis making decisions for themselves. I think that's very true. And I think in, in instances like this, the state must step in and assume responsibility for those found not criminally responsible and make them responsible to take, legally responsible to take their medication. The system looks after itself. Oh, yes. The system, ultimately, the system doesn't care about you. It doesn't care about your son. And I suppose uh, it doesn't really care about Vincent Lee because they'd like, they'd like him to be off the public radar as well so mm -hmm. that they're not questioned. Right. I, 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 I often wonder now if we'll ever know if he ever reoffends, if we'll ever know, I doubt it. Unless, of course, he does it again on a on a bus in a public place 
to a very random individual again, uh, then I guess we'll know. Or will they hide that identity? You know, it's interesting that you uh, interesting that you say this because I had the very same thought earlier. I, I, I just wondered, and this is how suspicious we've become, and I think with, with reason of the system, we ask ourselves, if he were to commit a crime, and if there's opportunity for the crime to not be not go public, to be somehow squirreled away, hidden away, would they go ahead and do that? I have no doubt. I honestly have no doubt. The judge that uh, the judge in the trial passed away years ago already. Nobody can go back and ask him anything. He had cancer. What do you do now, Carol? How how do you proceed with life? What do you, what are you going to do? One day at a time, the best that I can uh, to take care of me, my family, and my community, which is what I've always tried to do. And uh, I'm I'm upset that in this I failed. I. I did not achieve what I was hoping for. Vince Lee is not going to be uh, legally obligated to take his medication. I hope that that does come for come about sometime in the future for future victims. I mean, keep in mind, even if I, if I had achieved that, it wouldn't have brought my son back. It wouldn't have changed anything in our circumstance, but to prevent the same type of crime happening by the same individual first killing will already have happened but if we legally require him now upon release to treat his illness maybe we can avoid a second killing by the same individual because it does happen and if it's such a low rate of it happening i don't see how building a, a separate facility should be a problem then You're, the question then becomes how much is a life worth yeah well apparently timothy's wasn't worth much was it not to the system. Nope. I haven't seen pictures of Timothy in the paper this week. No, you haven't. Nope. You didn't, you didn't fail, though, Carol. The system failed you. Our system, our, the health care system, the, the, the judicial, the, the justice system, which is neither justice nor a system, at, uh, many, on, on many an occasion, this being another glaring example, failed you and failed your son. And that's the opinion I would, I, would, I would venture of a significant majority of people in this country, certainly the people who've been in touch with me after, uh, after I was well, tweeting about you. The support for you and the care and concern for you is very deep and very strong. I, I did the best I could. I worked with the Federal Ombudsman for Victims and helped it in the creation of the Victims' Bill of Rights in Canada. Um, I did change some legislation regarding NCR, not what I wanted, but um, I did make some change, and I, I did the best that I could do. You're right. I don't, I don't think that there will ever be a time that I will be satisfied that my country did what it should have done in the death of my son. You're a great mom, and you're a great person. And it's a privilege to speak with you. Thank you so much for the time today and 
very, very concerned about, about what took place. And again, condolences on the loss of your son. Thanks, Roy. We'll stay in touch. Thank you, Carol. You bet. Bye. Bye bye. Carol Dadelli. All right, so there is the interview as we aired it live yesterday with Carol Dadelli about Vincent Lee, Will Baker, who is free to go and do whatever he wishes, wherever he wishes, with no criminal record. And uh, he and his entourage looked very happy in the photograph on the front page of the uh, Winnipeg Free Press. I, I know, like you, you listen back, you listen to Carol, and you can, you can hear the pain. And what you hear is the absolute disappointment, the sense of loss. Carol has fought so hard for so long, and she's so determined and so eloquent and stood for her son and challenged a system that found Vincent Lee not criminally responsible. And now she feels, as she said, that she failed. Well, she didn't. That's how she feels. You can hear the uh, interview. You can listen back uh, on your radio station. Uh, just just go to the webpage of your station and go to the audio vault if you want to hear it again at any time. We'll come back and uh, we'll get on to another issue. It's been making headlines for, well, probably not as long as it should have. Fake news. Stay with us.